0: Hey everyone, this is Daryl. Just a little quick heads up. The first 10 minutes or so, the audio quality is not the best because there are some problems with the Zoom connection and internet and all that. It gets a whole lot better. But I just wanted to throw out that warning that if you just wanted to skip ahead a few minutes in case it would irritate you, go for it. There is still plenty of great content in this episode. So please tune in, listen, enjoy it, and we will catch you on the other side. Welcome to the X Factor Files podcast, I'm Daryl, and I am joined once again by the phenomenal Flinkman.
1: I'm back, 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 back again, y'all.
0: Yes, um, Flink is back on a new computer with a new audio setup, so if anything is glitchy, we're going to blame technology and not our fantastic selves.
1: Yeah, I uh, I had to to turn in my surrender my my work laptop and I I bought a brand new one that does not support a winter old USB, so couldn't use my phone. Uh, hopefully, you all out there in cyberland, cyberxland, can hear me just fine.
0: Yes, um, and of course, there's always the possibility for internet glitches as well when you're doing. A zoom chat. So people just stick it out because you know we're worth it. Always. So um Philip is not here because Philip now has COVID, like you did, Flink. So I mean,
1: she Miss Rona is here and she is pissed that everybody is trying to forget about her So she's gonna make sure that we don't. So y'all y'all for real. It is it is fun
0: yeah it's no joke um so many people i know are testing positive um i am testing every day and so far i'm negative so it it's still very odd in how it is hitting people and what people's immune systems may be able to fight off or not um and of course i'm vaccinated double boosted and all that good stuff but so was philip and so were you so yeah. it 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 doesn't make any sense. No,
1: it makes absolutely no sense. Um, Kenny, my husband, he never caught it, well, and uh, so I have can hope that that you are going to be be safe from from her clutches. Because again, not not a good time. Not a good time. My my heart goes out still up, but uh, I, I'm happy to pick up where where we left off because it's really just getting started. Uh, with this arc last issue so I'm, I'm i'm happy to to keep going
0: yeah and um so uh, the pop culture pop up for june of 2007 when this issue is happening it's a little bare i mean for some of these i have so much material to dig through some of them and i'm noticing especially the summer months are terrible like it is just a desert of yeah. pop culture i
1: mean I mean, for me, you know, I I always love when you you pull out the the number one songs, because that immediately, like, I, 2006, 2007, those were my uh, clubbing years, my, my big, oh, I'm 21, let me go out to all the gay bars, uh, and it's just hilarious to me that usually the number one songs are the ones that I remember, you know, booty bumping at the gay bar, too, so I'm curious to know uh, what the number one song for for June '07
0: was? It was "Umbrella."
1: Oh, of course, it was. Okay, yes, one hundred percent, most definitely. Y'all already know. You don't need my 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 stories to to tell you that that song was all over the the neighborhood, all over the world.
0: Oh, absolutely. Um, and we even have the delicious treat of being able to see tom holland danced to it from a few years ago um just wonderful seeing spider-man dress up in a bustier and
1: (laughs) i mean the best part of that for me like yes wonderful to see tom Tom holland a bustier i I feel like i can say that now he's firmly age appropriate so i don't feel too weird about saying it but for me it's the hair it's that angular like it's not quite a bob obviously i i feel terrible that i don't know my heritage stylist uh friends would would kill me for not knowing the actual name of it but you know what i'm talking about that yes. asymmetrical do that she had that then you know every girl in the world another Brianna reference there not yes. even intentional uh had had back in 2007. so the impact yeah. far beyond just the billboard charts
0: the ripples um, something that really changed technology—the iPhone launched this month in June 2007.
1: I mean, the iPhone changed all of our lives. Without without the advent of of Grindr, I don't even know that I would have a husband right now. So, <laughs> so thank thank God for the iPhone.
0: Yeah, I didn't get my first one until I think it was 2009 or 2010. Like I held out for a while um but it was definitely yeah, I, a, a game changer
1: I think my first I was 2009 as as well uh the I think it was the 3gs or the 3s whatever the the sequel the the to the the third was, was my, my first iPhone but I remember you know all of my rich friends with their iPhones in 2007 and I was on my my horrible flip phone uh super jealous of them and their predictive text while i'm sitting there with the t9 so
0: t9 so terrible um and a movie that came out these days
1: they'll never know
0: no they won't like and then if you fucked up and you like blasted past what you were trying to type you had to then click more just to go around to it again and it's like no no and punctuation was just terrible. Like, that's that's why Texting Culture <laughs> developed. Not, no one had the patience to put punctuation in their T9 text. Like, it is going to be a string of words. Decipher it how you need to. The The movie. Absolutely.
1: Absolutely. Don't take me back to that time.
0: No. But something that will take us back, the movie this month that's coming out. Fantastic Four, Rise of the Silver Surfer.
1: Oh, God, Gas Cloud, Galactus.
0: Yeah. it.
1: I mean, how, how are you going to make Galactus a space fart?
0: <laughs> it's true. Um, I was super excited to see Silver Surfer because, of course, I remembered him from the cartoon in the 90s. And he was always a really cool action figure. Like, Silver Surfer was a great Toy Biz action figure. And um, getting him on the silver screen, it was uh, okay. um I feel the Fantastic Four movies were okay. They weren't groundbreaking, but they were also not terrible.
1: I feel like, well, first of all, I have to to second you on on the Toy Biz Silver Surfer figures uh, of the ninety. I, I want to call it like. That metal is what how what that shiny silver how they got him so shiny and silver. I could be making up words here, uh, that don't exist, but that is something that I feel has been missing from all of the surfer figures that we've gotten in legends form. Uh, and specifically, I was really hoping that the haslab surfer that came with Galactus was gonna have that. And though he is shiny, he is not full on like mirrored reflective. So, hopefully, one day. Uh, we can get that, but as far as the movies go, I don't know. I it's, there's not, I would say outside of, uh, as King and maybe Julian McMahon as Dr. Doom, at least visually, uh, and, and he portrayed the arrogance. Well, I think those are probably the only things I would say are redeemable about those films. They're not, they're fun, I guess but they're not i don't know something they're that certain genesis i say
0: yeah um it did show us that chris evans could carry the superhero persona though and okay
1: how could i forget chris evans I i i i completely just spaced on that yes chris evans it blessed. Uh, I never heard of him. Well, no, I think I'd seen not another teen movie prior to that. Yep. Uh, the banana in the butt. But certainly uh, heartthrob superhero Chris Evans was born in 2007 and put him on on the map. So okay, I'll give it that too. You're right. You're right.
0: All right, Flink, you have changed locations. You are you're in a better place, um, at I- least in terms of internet connectivity yeah
1: yeah you know you can spend all this money on a fancy new new macbook but you can't make the internet reach it
0: so uh, we were just gushing over chris evans obviously because he was cast he had to have been cast as captain america shortly after it rise of the silver surfer came out
1: yeah i mean the first cap movie was what 2010 2011 it was i'm not sure i think
0: it's 2010
1: It's one of my favorites. You'd think that I would that I would remember the timeline a little bit more in depth, but my God, who can keep the MCU in order and time like of release at at this point? There's just too much. Too
0: much. There is. And I feel bad for anyone who is like coming of age right now and needs to catch up because that's that's a lot a lot to consume. There are many movies that you would need to watch to be able to have a A firm foundation of what's going on in the mcu and why things matter Um, right it's
1: like i want to you know my nephews are like 10 and 12 now their parents allow them to watch pg-13 movies finally so like i want to get them into the mcu but it's like jesus like do do 10 and 12 year olds even have the attention span to 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 sit through 25 movies plus all these tv series now i i really don't know
0: yeah and uh, something we didn't cover in the last episode because i don't think it was revealed by the time we recorded last friday um but there was the basically the mcu panel and yes. them showcasing everything that's coming out um and i mean it, We're in phase four right now. Phase three wrapped up with Infinity War and Endgame and all that stuff. So we built a lot and those movies all felt consequential. And I feel that phase four has not felt as important. um, And not in a way that they're establishing things. And Philip and I covered this when we talked a little bit about Thor Love and Thunder after we saw it. So on the episode just prior to the one you were last on, so two episodes ago. And I don't see what the thread is. We know what the thread is now. And you could sort of predict it, that it was going to be multiverses, and you're going to have Kang the Conqueror, which they showed in the TV shows. There's really been no tipping of the hand in the movies, though. Like, you can watch Eternals or Thor Love and Thunder or the latest Spider-Man, that Spider-Man probably showed it best in terms of what yeah. multiverses were. Um, Doctor Strange and the Multiverse of Madness, it showed that there are other multiverses, but why should it matter? So I, I'm not feeling the resonance, is what I'm trying to say. Yeah,
1: totally. And I think that we all kind of expected Doctor Strange specifically to to have more resonance than it did like it just really just dipped a toe into it whereas i think we all thought it was going to just bust the multiverse wide open and now it's like we have you know how many movies until until we get to you know an actual conclusion of this multiverse saga i mean it's something like six eight i i really a lot a lot so Mm -hmm. i guess it was more of a tip of the iceberg than you know, busting things wide open. But I guess, hopefully, you know, obviously, we know, we're going to get the Fantastic Four uh, again, Uh, hopefully, they'll finally get their their due uh, on screen as we have kind of established that they haven't had that. But you know, we just have so much to get through before we even seemingly are going to get to the x men, which of course, is what we have all very much been waiting for I, I i i i do agree that phase four has been it's felt a little inconsequential and all over the place but i guess you know after you have something as huge and massive and 21 film build up you know to, to something like infinity war and Endgame, game you do it, i guess it's somewhat appropriate to to take a little bit of of a breather so I I get what they were going for, you know, kind of just setting up new ideas and letting things breathe and giving us things like Black Widow, which really aren't even connected to anything. Uh, but I, I do think it's time for us to, to clearly start down the path towards, towards something else. Um. But I will say uh, I've enjoyed, you know, things like Shang-Chi and Ms. Marvel. Those two things seem like they're gonna be seemingly tied in together. I I kind of like that. Um, I hope that that's not just like, just like little teasers to the 10 rings like we saw in in Ms. Marvel. I hope there is like more of an overt overlap in, in those as well, which, you know, probably isn't super connected to the multiverse, but it is an idea that has come out of phase four that I am interested in.
0: Yeah. And going back to, you know, the 21 films building up, do you think that the MCU is ever going to be something that's so large, sort of like X-Men continuity? I mean, I wanted to start reading X-Men a few years ago. No clue where to start. Absolutely no clue until I started listening to some podcasts. And um, yours was one, Jay and Miles was one, because you need to figure out like, where do I start like from the outside looking in there are so many different titles and there are so many stops and starts the MCU I feel can be that way in the future as well like we're we're like 30 films deep almost and how many TV shows and like where do you start like do you just focus on the characters you like because that's how some people take on the comics as well yeah or do you have to watch everything in release order or do you just watch certain arcs like it's it can be a lot and i i fear for the longevity of the the new fandom like how are you going to pull new fans in because you've got all of us like disney right. does not need to worry about us because we've been there since iron man in 2008 yeah. but if it gets to be like 2038 and you have a 50 plus films at that point then how do you uh, and Disney will find a way
1: obviously of course they will of course Um,
0: and they've done that a little on Disney plus where it would it's like this three minute episode on here's everything you need to know about this character so they have started producing that but at a certain point is that enough and they'll have to develop some sort of mechanism to figure out all right, we have uh, these twelve-year-olds in twenty thirty-eight. How are we going to suck them in so that they are consuming our product?
1: Yeah, I mean, it's they've kind of they've kind of already come up with, like you said, the little three-minute intro to the character. It's like we're going to start getting like visual handbooks to the Marvel Cinematic Universe, almost. Which, uh, you know, as a kid. Those things, I lived and breathed those things. I, that's how I knew, I, I was really only reading X-Men and Fantastic Four in the 90s. So I really only knew of Avengers characters like Ghost Rider and all the other, you know, characters that they were pushing in the 90s from magazines like Wizard and, and you know, the official handbooks to, to the Marvel Universe. So I, you know, I feel like a combination of Disney Plus putting out those primers uh, and, you know, the, kid, the kids these days, they're explaining all kinds of shit on TikTok. So uh, I, I feel like somehow, some way, uh, social media, TikToks, Reels, whatever you want to do or call it, uh, will probably be a way that the youths are are keeping up with all of this stuff. I I, I certainly don't get it, but uh, it seems to be working for for everybody under the age of 30. So true. Um, I, I assume that that's they're they're going to let the fans do the work, uh, do some of the heavy lifting. I think, like like you said, like podcasts are sort of how you figured out your entry point into into X Men comics. I think you know it's going to be the onus is going to be on fans like us and you know fans, you know Gen Z fans who who grew up with the Marvel Cinematic Universe are sort of going to take on the responsibility of of making sure you know, it remains accessible somehow, some way, and as long as there's the internet and microphones and zooms, I feel like uh, that it's just going to keep happening.
0: Yeah, and I have to blame you and Dayspring because you did your last big episode on action figures and the most wanted Marvel Legends, mm-hmm. I think three months ago or so, and yeah, um on the list was Feral, and oh yeah, um, I never anticipated ever wanting to read X-Force until that episode and I'm like damn it I need to read about this Catwoman in neon now like there is no way I can't read about her
1: I mean 90s X-Force is beautiful I mean no I don't even want to say beautiful garbage it's garbage for sure but it's like fun festive shiny like i i it's the only way to describe it is like fun and festive it's it's utter nonsense and the art is totally out of proportion but i mean come on like it, it is a crazy cat lady in a hot pink outfit i yeah. you just kind of have to go with it and accept that it is of that time and it's it didn't make sense even then so don't expect it to make sense you just gotta you know that 90s early 90s x stuff you just kinda gotta roll with it
0: yeah and it it, it's funny you describing stuff as trash because when I first started collecting comics about 10 years ago or so um the first things that I collected one of them was West Coast Avengers and I went into the store and I'm like oh, I just love this 80s trash. And I think I legit horrified the owner of the comic store <laughs> when I was describing, like, I love these, like, B and C trash titles from the 80s. Um, it was that and Alpha Flight that I collected first. You had a, uh, was John, did John Byrne do West Coast Avengers? I'm
1: I'm drawing a blank. Yes, but like, John
0: Byrne okay. did um, probably the best known arc. From West Coast Avengers because it was used for Wandavision, so he introduced White Vision. So, Byrne was on West Coast Avengers, and he did the first. Oh, what is it like twenty three issues of Alpha Flight or something like that? So, and I
1: assume, given given the the case of Fantastic Four action figures behind you, that you're also a fan of his. less trash but still somewhat trash we'll call it yes. uh run on the fantastic four
0: yeah um fantastic four was actually the first cartoon i got super into like i would watch x-men yes but i was like the stand for fantastic four on the playground so it's like okay we'll play x-men but then next we're doing some fantastic four so um I'll do the
1: crossover the crossover on the playground
0: yeah And Hasbro, since I know you're listening to this, I've seen my numbers. I obviously know I'm reaching millions of people with this podcast. So, um, Hasbro, give us She-Hulk from Fantastic Four. It's past time we've we've gotten two She-Hulks in the modern run of Marvel Legends. One's a repaint of the other, and it's not the Jen Walters that I love. I need '80s comic accurate she-hulk
1: oh yes for sure now speaking of of trash uh i do actually own the only marvel legends fantastic four she-hulk that has ever been made which was a san diego comic-con exclusive very early into the the hasbro run it must have been oh eight i think and it was uh, that that pretty bad She-Hulk figure uh, from the Hasbro second wave in her mm. purple and white like bathing suit look, and they yep. just like it had sculpted lines, had a sculpted zipper, all of that nonsense, and they just painted the Fantastic Four costume over it, and included like soft goods lawyer clothes. And it didn't even have, like, it didn't even come with, like, the standard She-Hulk head. The only head it came with was her was a She-Hulk head with her hair, like, up in a bun. So, like, yeah, you had the shitty Fantastic Four costume, but you didn't have that big, glorious 80s She-Hulk hair that absolutely would be required for any future She-Hulk figures, Fantastic Four or otherwise, as far as I'm concerned.
0: Yeah, and I'm surprised that Hasbro hasn't announced a new she-hulk figure because they announced one for the show. Yeah. This is and that's what they did for one division they announced the screen accurate white vision and mm-hmm. wanda from that show and then a few months later they're like oh here are the west coast avengers ones which right. are in my west coast avengers display because of course I have a whole display with them in it. Do. Um so I'm hoping that they're going to pursue the same tactic with she-hulk so they let the show come out they get their money from the show related figure and then they release a retro carded gen
1: yeah they just want to make sure that they get uh, our money twice so they have to release the mcu version before they release the comic book version that we all want but i will say the comic she hulk uh that they have done most or well I guess they're both comic She-Hulks, but the non-savage She-Hulk, uh, comic She-Hulk that they have done most recently in the uh, A-Force box set, which I'm sure goes for just a shitload uh, on the aftermarket these days. Um, not a lot of people love that, that mold. It's, not, it's kind of an outdated, I think that body is from probably like 2010, 2011 or so um so i think the issue probably with with releasing a retro card she hulk it would either be a version on a body that people don't like or it would require a ton of new tooling so i i, I am going to cross my fingers and and hope that they they come up uh, with something i just i don't know that they have some like Wanda and Vision, they just those are just quick and easy repaints that they had in their back pocket. I don't know that there's they have that for She-Hulk, uh, but what do I know? I don't know anything about tooling action figures. That the the Savage She-Hulk body, they could probably very easily remove the tooling for her clothes and have have a great you know comic She-Hulk buck under underneath those all of her her torn up clothes. I hope it happens. I'm crossing my fingers i just in my mind i kind of expect it to be something of like a more expensive deluxe release just Mm. given just given the reaction to the old she hulk figures
0: sure and i think they're going to pursue that deluxe probably with rachel summers i know you covered that in your episode with day spring as well over at power of x-men
1: Oh my God, I need, we all need, she's the only one we're missing from our Excalibur displays at this point. And given that she's the last one and we've all waited so long to have an action figure of her in her hound costume, need it to have all the spikes, need it to have the clip on flames, need her to have a mullet head, a flame head, a powered down head. Like I just need all of it. I need all the Rachel, give me all. She's one of my top five X-Men characters and, I, I, as much as I love the Chris Pichello style, like Marvel girl figure that they did, you know, when they first got probably, I think probably around that same time they did that terrible She-Hulk figure that I was referencing earlier. Um, as much as I love that for nostalgia purposes, like it is, it is time. And anytime someone gives me a platform to, to preach to Hasbro about needing a Marvel Legends Excalibur Rachel, I'm going to take that opportunity yeah. and run with it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. That's what we're here for, really. It's just to pursue the action figures that we really want to own.
1: It's just to harass Hasbro into giving us what we want. It's My track record is not terrible.
0: No, so. <laughs> no, it's not. And uh, um, we do have PulseCon coming up in two months. So yeah, I, Hasbro team, maybe. turn it out for Marvel because what we got was not exciting.
1: Yeah, I mean retro card beast, woohoo! I mean, uh, listen, did I pre-order him? Yes, I did. Me too. Uh, I know. But the, that the only because I we discussed this in our last episode. We're we're both kind of vanilla posers with our with our action figures, and so the like super angry, like snarling face that came with the beast we we already have. Has, it looks very out of place when everybody else is just sort of chillin smiling neutral expressions in, in my display so i literally bought a new beast action figure bleh, for an alternate hit
0: i bought it for the head the jacket and the the beaker labeled x gene
1: fair fair because the beakers, th- that's, that's cool. a
0: neutral pose accessory i can use to great effect
1: yeah. And I mean, I think I said it last time, my inspiration for my display is all those 90s uh, X-Men cards. And the two that I can picture, two of the the three most iconic are him holding, he's got, he's in his lab and he's he's holding a test tube. So, uh, or a beaker. So it's, it's perfect. They at least nailed the accessories, even if I'm a little angry about having to buy another beast.
0: Yeah. I them. pre-ordered beast and I, I did. Oh, the Herald's box set. As Same. Well. Yeah. Um, I sold
1: my Terax years ago. So I, I definitely need him.
0: Yep. So those are the only two. I'm hoping that they make me spend more money when they show shit in a couple months.
1: They will always make you spend more I, money.
0: They have to show the third Age of Apocalypse wave there. Like they already teased the Gambit Hand. We know it's coming. And it will have been months since they've done that tease when pulse con rolls around
1: i mean i just hope that that's what it is like in my mind I'm, i i i want it my mind and my heart of hearts i want it to be age of apocalypse gambit but like i'm so nervous is the wrong word that it's a little dramatic but i'm so i'm a little antsy that it's just going to be like vhs gambit mm. for the animated series which
0: there it looks like they're doing all the main characters from that show anyway so we know that there's going to be an anime gambit coming Yes. Uh, yeah we i think all of us who have been collecting the figures we want that third age of apocalypse wave close out the entire series give us those figures that we're missing
1: who do you want out of that wave
0: uh gambit i really the build a figure i feel needs to be nemesis and, Absolutely.
1: There's zero question.
0: Yeah. It, they need to figure out a way to do Nemesis and it, not call him Holocaust. Um, because uh, for sure. That name's real po- problematic. And it was problematic back in the 90s. Alicia thought that through Marvel. But they need to give us Nemesis. That's an iconic look. It's an iconic figure. I just found a used one a few weeks ago at a comic store and snatched that shit up because I'm like, give me that toy biz figure. Because it, even yeah. though it's smaller, it still looks so cool. So yeah,
1: I would actually venture to say that the Toy Biz figure from the '90s is cooler and more accurate than the Hasbro bath that is an insane amount uh, on the aftermarket from the from the early days. I keep referencing these early days of Hasbro. Uh, there were rough times. Rough times. Mm-hmm. Um, I yeah, I think I, 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 I if I had to guess. I would say, and I'm not necessarily saying that, th- that these are the choices I would want. If we did get a third AOA wave, I think Gambit is a guarantee. Uh, I think he's a guarantee whether it it's a full AOA wave or not. I think mm-hmm. he's the only, the only one we really truly... It, he's the only one that... Him and Nemesis are the only two that I feel are glaring holes in what they've already given yeah. us. Uh, Gambit, Nemesis, Storm... Yeah. Nightcrawler. Quicksilver, I think would be easy. I think Havoc. I would love Havoc. They do seem to love making Havoc. Um, but I don't know. I think we need a non-bath villain, so that's probably Sinister. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we probably need another female. And while I would love for it to be Siggy Smoking Dazzler, I think Jubilee probably has a better shot than she does. So and maybe the right I think I probably need one more, maybe bishop.
0: I mm, think. Yeah.
1: Just because he's so important to the overall
0: story. Yeah, he is. And it, he it's a way different look from the bishop that we have. So right.
1: and it would open up the opportunity for, you know, a bald bishop, six a bald six one, six bishop as he appeared like in the late nineties, which yeah. is actually probably my preferred look for him.
0: Yeah. Well, we should probably dive into this issue.
1: My God, we should. Let's do yeah. it.
0: Yeah. So we're on issue 18. It is the second issue of the Excel story arc. And the intro page, I don't know. Are you reading this on Unlimited? I am, yes. So sometimes they cut out the intro page, which is real annoying on Unlimited.
1: Why would they do Especially for a series like this, where he actually makes the recaps fun and worth reading.
0: Yeah, so this recap is very alliterative. It has a, it's ridiculous and it is self-aware. So it knows that it's ridiculous because it's trying to make rhymes and it's like, "Oh no, strike that." So um we're catching up on where everyone is. Um and basically they are being cracked down on/commissioned slash commissioned by the federal government to um track down excel and what's going on and we got to um headquarters is heavily guarded though so like strong guy and layla are within headquarters but the federal agents are all around outside and inside um so there's that lack of trust for them because they're still isolated so Jamie isn't in there with them because he's off doing other things and we'll check in with him pretty soon.
1: Yeah I just have to say you know that I love that we're picking right back up where we left off there's like no weird nebulous time jumps we're just like diving right back in Layla's still eating Rudy 2D fresh and fruity like it's it, it we there's no time at all has passed from the last issue to right now.
0: Yeah. And it, it's just a few panels to establish that fact that yep, it's continuing on. We're crashing through this. No time has passed. And then we make a jump to Quicksilver meeting with um, oh, what's his name? Something Eli- Elijah. Elijah Ross? Some I
1: think so. I think yes, so. Elijah I
0: think... Elijah. At the very least, we know it's Elijah. And right.
1: That's all I know.
0: Yes, and um, Quicksilver is listening to uh, Elijah make his pitch, basically.
1: Yeah, and it's full on like mega gonple- god complex Pietro, which is always I, I always thought was such like a, a natural evolution for the character, given how big of a dick he's always been.
0: Yeah, um, I totally agree. Like he is. Outrageous. And I recently read the Son of M series, which. I'm sorry. (laughs) No, like, I actually really liked it. Like, it's a quick mini series. You see how terrible he's become. It's really good information heading into this series. So I'm hoping Philip is able to read those. And then we can record a podcast just to summarize, like, this is what made Pietro so awful, or he was already awful. Here are some examples of what a bad person he is. Right, um, and, and
1: fair. I've probably only read that like as it was coming out, and you have to understand, they were flooding the market with, with M-Day tie-ins. Like, Son of M, Generation M, House of M the day after, like, all of this the 198 like all of this this nonsense and most of it was just crap and so i sort of just lumped son of m in with that and yeah. it probably is because I, I am something of a pietro fan certainly not a stan because he's such a dick who could stand the guy um but i i, I it probably is worth uh, a revisit you've piqued my my interest maybe i'm yeah. doing it a disservice lumping it in with all of that
0: i found it i found the entire miniseries for a dollar each at a comic book sale like a month and a half ago and that same seller is having a sale tomorrow (laughs) and um i am going on a supply run for philip and stopping by that dealer again to see yeah i'm like dollar comics are dangerous
1: dollar comics are dangerous i'm like not allowed to go to like comic book shows and and things like comic cons where I there's plenty of other distracting things besides like dollar bins for me to dig through fine but like comic shows like what we talked about in our last episode in like hotel ballrooms or just like randomly set up as much as I love them they are too dangerous for me I don't have the closet space yeah I simply don't
0: yeah Um, I have a pretty strict list I'm going in there with tomorrow in terms of issues of Excalibur and X-Force that I'm looking for. Um, because I actually... Let's see how good you do. I know, because in the past few months, I've completed the X-Factor run. Not only the one we're covering on this podcast, but, like, all X-Factor prior to then. You just let
1: me know when you're ready to discuss that shit, because I love all of it.
0: Yeah, I uh yeah, I am already developing an idea for covering older X Factor. um Yeah, so uh, back to the issue. Pietro being awful. He's like, "Are you going to prove you're worthy to me?" And Elijah's like, "Hell yes!" And like they're doing a handshake, and well, they're about to. And m- one of my low key favorites, Callisto, is like, "Oh hell, nah, you aren't." um she comes in and then Pietro beats her up because he has super speed which isn't super speed right now it's actually time displacement which is right so weird to wrap your head around but anyway he punches her a few times to teach her a lesson and I can't blame her for being pissed off because she went through like the whole oh please do something for me and got screwed over by it like there were some side effects to that that yeah. were terrible
1: yeah and i mean i can remember all of that like super fresh even having not read it to 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 prepare for for this and you know getting smacked around by pietro in his khaki pants is like what a what a way to to get taken out i would be I would be hella pissed but i do have to say you know it is I, I don't know um i know she previously was here in this book when he first started doing the Terigen nonsense but did y'all discuss at all um the, that prior to her appearance there the last time we saw her was an extreme x-men and excalibur and she actually had uh tentacle arms
0: no no yes oh yes
1: Yeah, Chris Claremont has like a total fetish for like tentacle arms. He did it to Jean Grey for a few issues like in the late eighties. And yes, there was an extreme X-Men. There was a scene of Callisto with her tentacle arms and storm in a hot tub. And it is all that you, all the subtext that you think would be in that scene is absolutely uh, present. So I know she's having a tough time. I know she lost her powers. But, like, given that she doesn't have tentacles anymore, I almost want to say that, you know, they did her a favor by by depowering her.
0: Yeah. Um, Claremont, I mean, I just picked up the first issue of that Gambit mini that he's writing. Um, Obviously, Claremont, he made the X-Men what they became. He absolutely he built that world for us um
1: and not just like a part of it
0: like all of it, all of everything
1: it. you love about the x-men came from claremont like yes. full mad respect for the man
0: yes and i think it is very savvy of marvel to keep him under a lifetime contract so he can never go anywhere else like oh what a business move um but they also aren't letting him tell a new story it's very odd um anything he writes now is always set back in time it's always a story set in his original run um or his follow-up like they're bringing him back for extreme um right which is going to be again back in time it's not Krakoan age so they are uh, making of the creative decision to not let Claremont touch current x-men at all which is well and to be
1: fair I don't think he wants to touch current X-Men at all. I don't think he follows. I don't think he cares. I think he's perfectly happy having his own little corner where he can do wh- whatever he wants. Um, and I, I I feel as somebody who was reading Extreme X-Men as it was coming out, who read Excalibur volume two as it came out, who read his return to Uncanny X-Men after, you know, around M-Day. Um, I think it's probably for the best. Like I mean that with all love and respect. Um, like we've we've said, he's the godfather of everything we love about the X-Men, but I do think the X-Men have evolved past where he wants them to be and gone clearly in directions that he never envisioned for them. So anytime that they I, I feel like they have tried to to shoehorn a Claremont run in in with the modern alongside the modern x books it just hasn't worked it just hasn't worked out so well um not because he's a bad writer just because you know it's evolved or in a different time comics are very written very differently than uh you know how he likes to write them so um i haven't read that first issue of gambit i you know i wait for for Marvel Unlimited. So yep. it's on my list. I, I have a spreadsheet. I keep up with it every week what I what I am missing and when it is slated to come out. So I'm really looking forward to reading it. But I personally um am not super depressed that they aren't gonna give him anything set in the krakoa era because I feel like he would be a little uh less than subtle in in shading the Krikoan mm. era. I, I don't think he's a fan.
0: That's fair another person that they have brought back recently is peter david and i picked up um issue two of new fantastic four and issue one of genusville um this past week and again he is i don't know what the proper term is like a legacy writer for them um much much in the claremont vein that they're giving peter david license to go back to his original runs and play around in that sandbox again like here you go it was beloved you're still a good writer but like stay in your lane sort of thing
1: which i also think is somewhat appropriate for peter david he even when he was you know writing x-factor investigations he wasn't exactly thrilled about playing in the modern marvel sandbox with other writers so when it comes to him i feel like that might even be more of a choice than an editorial you know dictation but i could be wrong i could be wrong i it is nice that they at least rather than you know i i feel like a lot of people would say that they have put claremont out to pasture um i don't think so they still give him projects here and there he still gets to to you know do what he wants to do from time to time. But I, I think it's nice that they have given them their own lane where they can tell the stories they want to tell without have, having to worry about, you know, how it's going to tie into Judgment Day and the Hellfire Gala and all the other nonsense going on in the in the mainstream books.
0: Yeah. Do you think that they would ever have him write X-Factor stories again?
1: I would love for for them to do it, but I feel i don't think they would have him do it in in modern continuity because the kinds of of stories are so you just think like you're you're asking just in general
0: in general do you think they would ever bring him back and be like because maybe he did or is doing like a throwback x factor 90s story like in that forget what he did
1: yes x-men legacy he did yes or or is it x-men legacy i think it is x-men legends x-men legends um he did he did do a story uh with 90s uh x factor in that um i think that book is canceled now
0: they're bringing it back for it like a second season like okay they stopped it and now they're restarting it again which doesn't make sense because each arc was like one or two Issues so
1: just love those fresh number ones, don't they? Yeah, um, so yeah, absolutely. I can't see if they were allowing him to come back for that to do a 90s X Factor story. I can't imagine there isn't room for him to come back to tell you know an untold X Factor investigation story. And I, you know, fully encourage them to do that because I, you know, can never get enough.
0: Yeah, um, and one last note before we jump into the issue again. Um, if you haven't listened to the Gray Malkin Lane trial of Quicksilver, it's so good. Chad I did, have it. Chad did a wonderful job. Um, he does a wonderful job with every single episode and every single trial that he does too. But it was especially insightful for me to listen to that episode and just hear the ebbs and flows of Pietro's life oh
1: god it has been a wild pride and like in certain parts of it i can understand why he is the way he is but also dude come on like you can be 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 the better person
0: yeah so to close out this encounter um that he's having with callisto here and our friend elijah he's like you know some things aren't going that great in terms of how i'm trying to repower mutants i think the answer is having an intermediary i need a vessel to like pour everything into and then they do the actual like repowering of them so you game for this like i have someone in mind for this so maybe this will work because obviously i accidentally fucked up your life callisto
1: like whoops sorry about that girl
0: didn't mean to i'd take it back if i could but not really because i wouldn't because i have a god complex currently
1: it it works for me and that's all that matters
0: yes he was huffing those crystals um i oh (laughs) i can't wait to cover that miniseries um we're cutting to an interrogation of richter who is giving a description of spongebob squarepants he is uh, leading these agents on and it's wonderful. All I can
1: tell you is his name was Robert and he had a squarish head, long nose and wide crazy eyes with yellow skin. Living in his pineapple under the sea.
0: (laughs) And the agent is like, oh, oh, a (laughs) lair. Like, totally going along with it. Like, you dumbass.
1: He clearly, I mean, not to get too far ahead, but, you know, Val Cooper comes in and just hands this guy his ass and complains about having the song stuck in her head for the rest of the day and girl, me too. yes absolutely
0: yes (laughs) because the agent (laughs) hears about the yellow skin he's like well could be jaundice probably a drug addict (laughs) like this is it's funny writing like this is a classic peter david spinning out a joke over the course of like a page and a half and i mean
1: good for peter david at this point he was probably in his 50s when he was writing this making spongebob references so like way to sort of be hip had like
0: good job i if i recall correctly he had a teenage daughter at this time and also a younger daughter oh
1: yeah his kids were young for his age i believe
0: yes so um i think he still had a daughter in that spongebob demographic and but absolutely good for him for tapping into something that even as a reader you're reading along and you're putting the pieces together and you're like no it can't be oh nope it is this is totally spongebob
1: and what i love about this particular reference is that it's still relevant here in 2022 in a way that say the heroes reference that we discussed in the last issue is totally not relevant
0: yep um so uh, madrox and val come in to spring richter because madrox is going to cooperate and have the team hunt for excel um and try to take them down in a better way than the government would but his condition is like you have to set my people free you can't just hang on to them so um yeah val cooper handing the agent his ass is wonderful i can't wait to dive into the 90s series more to read more val cooper it's
1: and she's a badass and much more of a badass in the 90s series and i will say like the thing that i I don't like about this is just how basic and plain that this art depicts her as. Mm -hmm. She should be in a pantsuit with a high pony busting in here. Like, you know, she is kicking ass and taking names, but like she is not looking her usual like alpha female self. The art lets her down a little bit.
0: Mm. So uh, Madrox takes Richter. They are, they're going out. Um, so everyone's free again rain is also freed although we did not see any on panel stuff with her we cut to monet flying with the french orphan and the orphans really scared i i would be a little freaked out too if i were just being held well flying and the orphan is like well what if what if you just suddenly lose your powers and Monet's like we're not talking about that right now we're not even referencing that um teresa is next to her gliding but needs to shout out that in order to land that's like her landing mechanism is the shout yeah um and Monet's like very it, stealth it she's like can you not um but also what monet is getting a great level of shit thrown at her from siren like um you crucified a guy and she's like well, yes, I was feeling hormonal. And if that doesn't describe me most days, I don't know what does.
1: I I love this interaction. I think Siren and Monet play off each other so well. And particularly in this scene, uh, Monet being like, you know, just because we broke out of international jail and took a citizen back with us to the United States, like no big deal. Uh, that's Like exactly the kind of entitlement and delusion that i need from monet like that is my favorite monet right there
0: yes um just totally insulated from the consequences of the larger world Um, yeah it's
1: it's perfect and just on like a design note i'm not sure when the switch was made from uh, Siren and Monet's uh, actual costumes from earlier in the series to their more casual looks of of Monet with like band shirts and her purple pleather pants uh, and Siren in her, her gliding jacket. But I these are, when I think of these two characters in this series, it is definitely these two looks that I picture.
0: Yes, like it is Monet in a Rolling Stones t-shirt.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I mean, I think she changes it later on in the issue. It's just sort of like a rotating, mm-hmm. you know, much like myself, uh, Monet's got a, a collection of graphic tees that she of cute graphic tees that she likes to, to rotate in and out. And I, I don't know, it's it really it's it. these looks sell it more as a street level book, I think, than the, you know, coordinating like sweatery costumes that everybody was wearing uh, early yeah. in the series.
0: Yep. Although, let me go back. Richter is still wearing his fucking turtleneck. So he, he is.
1: He keeps that one around for a lot, a lot longer than than everybody else.
0: Yeah. Um, they land on the roof. They see that um, the feds are packing up and leaving, and they're like, "Oh, is it INS? Because technically, we kidnapped this girl." And they're like, "Nope, it's the army. They're leaving." So. Uh, all of these things are happening concurrently sort of them landing at the same time that Madrox is bringing Rain and Richter from jail it's like pack up move out this is no longer a thing
1: I mean it's great that all that you know they're not super in deep shit with the government but it is crazy how quickly uh all of that was resolved in just a matter of of pages when it was like our big cliffhanger at the end of the last issue
0: yeah we cut to the inside of headquarters and there's a, a somewhat beefy looking Madrox in his full like uniform in there um real chesty real chesty unexpectedly chesty
1: I mean I'm not
0: complaining no me this neither this is the mix the McSteamy
1: Madrox from from X-Men 3
0: <laughs> yes yes please um So it's Layla sort of talking to everyone else, showing that she knows things. Um, Do you want to summarize sort of what she's going on about?
1: Let's see. So she is, you know, making a point that, uh, that the XL are not terrorists. They are people who are just scared um and is basically you know comparing it to to a study a medical study where they you know are giving a placebo to one group and medication to another and finding that there is is no difference so she's doing a very long-winded Layla miller way of of saying you know all is not as it appears let's trust me you know i know things Mm-hmm. um just being very very layla and she's you know throwing darts at a dartboard and getting perfect bullseyes every time just to really drive home uh the point that that she knows her shit and that yeah. she's don't question her
0: so what uh, then we get monet terry and the french orphan coming back and they're like we we brought a french refugee ex-mutant with us and the girl is like, Bonjour. And the, and Layla does not expect this. The dart does not land. And she's like, wait, what? What? Like she just keeps asking what as an explanation is being given to her. Um, so again, going back to the last issue, like she doesn't know everything. She is not I, omniscient. So um, this is one thing she did not expect. And Richter loves this. Richter's like, oh, oh. So you didn't see this one coming, did you?
1: He is laughing his ass off. Uh and I do actually have to note the switch in his outfit here. He has oh. ditched the sweater and this look that he is wearing this this black leather jacket with the red like racing stripes yep. on the sleeves is his new look for a while. Yeah. Fr- so we like just between the pages we're talking shit about his sweater, he heard us and he changed
0: so um they're trying to all get on the same page about excel and what they're committed to do um via val cooper and um monet is she's on the side of why should they be punished why are we going after them on behalf of the government for you know trying to figure out and hold people accountable for what happened um so the the french orphan she monet is talking out of school in front of this orphan and the orphans like wait what and then they all become aware like oh oh you're you're still here and this is sort of what tips layla into helping them again that i've written down clues like here you go i've paired you all up here's your clue go do stuff um and sends them off in little duos and the first place that they go is a bakery and it's Richter and Madrox going and they they think they're there to bust someone and this baker is like oh oh you're picking up for miller right and it's just this platter full of sandwiches
1: yeah, and I mean, when you say they bust in there, they literally bust in the door with Madrox going freeze, and like the, that energy that he busts in with is not met by uh, this bodega owner. He's just like, oh, here's your here's your catering order. Have a great day.
0: Yeah, um, Monet and Terry, the dream duo, are just they are told to stand on like a street corner next to a trash can. Um, is not
1: interested.
0: No, as usual. Yes, and someone drives up and uh, propositions them, like thinks that they are in the sex trade. They are not, and Monet's pissed by this and just sort of, um, it, the Anamapia is runch as she tips over the light pole onto this car. <laughs> um, she has
1: no time for this shit, as usual,
0: and. Um she's like, remind me to kill Layla. And Terry's response is not if I get to her first. So we don't I mean that
1: is a sentiment that the whole team shares at one point or another in this issue, I feel.
0: Yes. Um, because Rain and Strong Guy are prying up a manhole cover, and they're like, Oh no, oh we are absolutely not going down there. That smells terrible. Like, fuck this. We are gonna figure out something else. and and
1: and they just leave just it, it should be noted that they just sort of they they lift the manhole cover up and they just sort of throw it to the side they're like oh nope fuck this they don't even bother to close it
0: yeah they're like we're gonna go back to the alley where we were previously and we're gonna figure out our own next steps um mad rocks and richter walking down the sidewalk with this platter of sandwiches And they're accosted by someone in an alleyway who's like, give me your food. (laughs) It's just, it's so weird. It's so weird. But then when we figure out who it is, it's on brand with how they framed the character.
1: 100%. Um,
0: And who is that character? Do you want to do the big reveal?
1: Absolutely. That character is Fred J. Dukes, aka The Blob, with all his extra skin post-M-Day.
0: Yeah, so Blob has lost his Blobbiness. And um, this is another character Gray Malkin has put on trial. So you can do a deep dive if you're interested by going over to the trial of the Blob. But he's not looking good with all of this loose skin. And he's just hungry. And Richter is like, um, well, first, Blob pushes Mad Rocks and there's a dupe spawned and then yep. Richter's like I'm going to feed you a knuckle sandwich and punches blob and i i really love the gay coded madrox duplicates because they're always fucking sassy this one pops out and he's like here's a knuckle sandwich oh honestly and
1: i i just i love and i love that they change the uh the lettering. Yeah, the font well. is
0: different for every dupe.
1: Just to really drive home the fact that this is not just a direct copy of of Madrox. Um, and I do have to say, Blob calls Richter a rather interesting Ooh. kind of slur for Latinx people. Um, yep. I'm definitely not going to repeat it nope. because I don't think editorial would approve it today uh i just i think for anybody who does read this issue it just goes to show we have come quite a ways in the last 15 years with how casual uh things are in terms of you know racism sexism uh homophobia and 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 whatnot and it just surprises me like yes it's kind of a kind of it's clearly meant to be like a cute alliteration but it is still incredibly racist
0: yes it is it absolutely is um and then it like richter gets punched in the guts um i can feel
1: that punch i, mean, I have
0: like just the wind knocked yeah. out of
1: you like so bad you almost want to puke poor yeah. richter
0: and then we have someone else jump in. Who is it, Flink? And what do you Patow! know? About who, who is this character? Why so, should I care uh, about her?
1: So I'm most familiar with her from uh, Havoc's Brotherhood in the late issues of uh, the OG 90s X Factor. Um, though I know she debuted somewhere else first i'm not entirely sure where at that point in the 90s i was definitely more about the the b and c books than i was the a books um so I, i i'm really familiar with her from from that and i i love her i think she's like one of those like really fun uh random characters and I think it was actually kind of nice to see Pad dipping his toe in nineties X Factor issues from from after his run on the book. So he's not he's not pulling a Claremont and just like totally ignoring the developments that came in the books after he was done with them. Um she hasn't made a whole lot of appearances over the years. I think this was like her third or fourth like general appearance. Okay. Um but yeah, no, she hasn't done a whole lot. She's just one of those, you know, super '90s characters with a super '90s look and super '90s name, uh, just kind of a general badass. Yeah. But I, you know, where is she in the Krakowin era? If we're bringing in all these folks, where, yeah. where's
0: Patel? There are so many characters I feel both of us want to see more yeah. of in the Krakowin era, or just period. Like, please, just give us a background appearance. So she is popping in to defend Blob, and she jumps on Madrox's back, which spawns another dupe. Like, he had already reabsorbed his gay self, and now we're getting, like, the super chill Zen Master dupe.
1: Kung Fu Zen Master, that it looks like.
0: And he uh, breaks her arm, it looks like, because he's talking about love and he's like, well, sometimes love hurts and just like chops her arm the opposite way of where it should be bending. So. Snap. Yeah.
1: She gets him back a little. She, she gets a a slice in with her, her poison blade. Yeah. Although with his ninja Kung Fu voodoo, he, it's, it's only a flesh wound.
0: Yep. And uh, Blob has a, pulls up in a convertible he's like get in bitch we're going shopping and um they speed off and um madrox is sort of sitting with his dupe and probably has to reabsorb him and then get a little bit of poisoning himself um there is an ad i want to point out that you don't have on marvel unlimited it is it is for spider-man it is for one more day oh no yeah oh
1: no mephisto coming to fuck everything up
0: what would you do with one more day
1: i would not have satan of the marvel universe erase my marriage that's for sure
0: (laughs) (laughs) i saw that and i'm like oh i have heard nothing but bad things about this so yeah don't bother with that um back to the issue and we're we're in the final two pages Um, this this is another issue that's doing a good job of switching back and forth between the different parties and it is Monet and Terry still at the street corner Um, they see Blob and Fatal burst by and then everything comes into play this really shows that Layla knew what she was doing because uh, Monet and Terry fly after, and we see the car speeding towards the manhole cover that is not sealed. Yep. And it overturns, Fatal is thrown from the car, and then there is one more surprise as they are closing in, they being Terry and Monet, closing in to take care of Fatal and Blob. A knife is thrown at Terry's feet, and we see. That it is marrow, and that's marrow. How we, Marrow's back, and that's the end of the issue. So, um, lots of action going on.
1: Yeah, I think the most action in the whole issue was just here in these these last two pages. And as usual, these seemingly pointless errands that Layla sends the team on all add up to something. I mean, Richter and Madrox were sent to the deli to get the the plate of sandwiches to tempt Blob rain and guido left the manhole cover open to trip up uh blob and fatale's escape and then monet and siren were just standing there waiting to intercept them and i think that this you know is just such a good representation of what it is that that leila miller does like nothing with her is random and this really just like drives that home uh in such a really cool way
0: yeah and uh... We talked last time about how uh, that issue was really just a setup for this arc. That there wasn't mm-hmm. a whole lot going on. This is the opposite. I feel there is a, yeah there's almost too much going on, but in a good way. Um, and it, that's why I think this series is so great. That if someone picked up this issue, issue 18, and it was their first issue, they would know what's happening. They could yep. jump right in. And be involved with it. There is really no bad jumping on point for this series unless it is a mandated X crossover that Peter David has to write. Um, Because I could see a brand new reader picking this up and going, okay, and being enough in the know to get it and to be invested in the action and want to read the next issue. I feel
1: like the only thing... That might be confusing that could require a little bit of expanding on is this the business with Pietro and, and Callisto. I oh. think that that might be a little vague, but even then I feel like enough is on the page that you could easily understand. You could easily follow why she's at least mad at him. Yep. Um, because she, you know, she gets into it in detail, like he really screwed her over and made her feel pain on a level she has never experienced uh before but in the last episode i mentioned that xl had some characters that i really like and was looking forward to seeing um and that was really i really i was talking about marrow uh who of course she's only in the one panel at, at the very end of this one so we don't really get um a lot of her but you know aside from like generation x she is probably uh my favorite character created in the 90s she's just i i i just love her and i think she's also the only uh one of the depowered female mutants we saw in this issue that hasn't turned up previously in this series so i just remember at the time also being so excited because we had only seen her after m-day in uh, one of those crappy, um, you know, M Day one shot miniseries, whatever I was, mm-hmm. I was referencing earlier. Mm-hmm. So it was always exciting when Pad got his hands on a character I liked, especially one so poorly utilized as as Marrow had been yeah. to this point recently.
0: Yeah, um, I'm excited to see more of her. I haven't read a whole lot of her at all, so and and I know that the community the x community loves marrow i mean she's been oh, yeah. up for she was up to be on the team um last year in the current krakowin team and it, didn't someone set up a bot to like file tons of false votes for marrow like she yes. won she won by cheating and they had to invalidate that win um
1: I believe it was Leah Williams confirmed that there indeed was shenanigans around, uh, the voting for Mero, which is just on the one hand, so ridiculous and on the other, just kind of awesome. Cause yeah. that just like X stands
0: don't play. No, no. Someone set up an algorithm and a website and something to uh, cast like a million votes for Mero. It's delicious that someone went to that extreme
1: if i could have done it for monet for the second hellfire gala i i, I would have that's not to say there wasn't quite a bit of voting for monet in an incognito browser on on my part <laughs> um but certainly nothing as sophisticated as setting up a, a, you know bots to to auto vote a million times yeah
0: it's it's crazy and um I know we touched on the artist in the last issue. It's actually the same artist this issue. so um, and I
1: feel like I feel like he does I don't know if he sticks around for um a super long time, but once you said the name, koi koi pom, um I, I think that's how you say yeah. it. Forgive me. I'm a Texan um I I I feel like he is one of the more significant contributors to to this book maybe not in one big long chunk but I do feel like there's more uh of of his work than maybe I was more than a fill-in artist for sure which I kind of implied last time
0: yes um And, and
1: I mean he gives us Richter's new default look
0: yeah and um I was a guest again on Gray Malkin, um, to bring up Chad one more time, um, to talk with Dennis Calero about what drawing the first few issues. And it was just so interesting. Like look up that episode as well, um, because he gave some good insights into the creative process and sort of like how one of my takeaways was how sort of rough it is to be an artist. Like. At certain point, you just get the phone call, and you're like, "They're like, you're no longer needed. We we don't need your services on this title anymore. Thank you," and that's it. So, yeah, um, yeah. So, and now I pay so much more attention since starting this podcast to creators, and oh, not yeah. only who's writing, but the artists and the letterers and everything, because it's so important um, to get an accurate picture of everyone who's contributing to something that you really love, and not just the the writer um because the writers provide direction yes but it's a whole team effort and i think that's how we can sort of divorce like to bring up an example joss whedon from the properties that he's best known for and even writing x-men um you can still love buffy it doesn't mean that you love joss whedon you can still love his run on x-men and not love joss whedon so
1: right and i think it's like it's kind of a weird turnaround uh from the 90s where you know writers like chris claremont and peter david were leaving the x books because of how much emphasis was being put on the art and the superstar you know the idea of the superstar artist is what was what was selling the book so um, at this point, you know, it was a really interesting turnaround that it was definitely more the artist that felt disposable than, you know, heart and soul of the series, the writer peter Peter David. yeah, um which for Pad must have felt great. But uh, you know, hearing you know Dennis Calero's perspective on how he was just sort of casually dismissed from it, well, that sucks, too,
0: yeah. Check out that episode. Like we uh, we chatted for like half an hour or so about X Factor. And him right. as an artist and everything. So um super interesting insights into the creative process of this book that I was so happy that Chad asked me to be a guest um on that episode because it pertains directly to the series and um what we all really love about it.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna have to check it out. I, I knew that you had done it, I just haven't found the time for I know. it, but I absolutely have to.
0: Yeah. So any last thoughts on this issue?
1: I mean, my last thoughts are I'm gonna have to keep going because one panel of marrow is, is, is not enough. Um, I, this is easily one of my favorite uh, little arcs within, within the series. Um, and I feel like the pacing between the last issue that was all set up and this one that really got the ball rolling, uh, it just highlights so much of what I love about this book. Um, it takes the time to to bring in the small character moments, you know, everybody kind of being annoyed with Layla, Monet getting her a chance to be her snobby, wonderful self dipping in and out of various accents. Um, you know, she speaks, <laughs> she speaks French at one point. She says, you know, I think she says bugger off at another point, you know, which was more of a British thing. So uh, just little and Madrox with all his various dupe personalities. Um, it just really is a perfect encapsulation of everything I love about this this series. Um, and I think you said it best when you said like a, a new fan could pick up this issue and know exactly what is going on, even if they didn't know the deep, complex history behind it all. And that to me is the mark of, 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 of a well-written comic, for sure.
0: Yeah, and it's not the same way than an 80s book that was a different editorial dictate where if you pick up Claremont especially in like I would say the mid to 20s and before yeah that and it was really um, when Shooter was editor-in-chief the dictate was if someone picks up this book they need and it's their first comic ever you need to explain every character and every power every issue Um, so this is a different strategy to getting people engaged. Like, yeah, you're getting exposed to these characters, but you don't see all of Monet's powers in this issue. And you don't see all of Strong Guy's abilities in this issue. They'll come later, but you still get a taste of the character where you feel, if this is your first issue, you still know who they are. And you're like, okay, I want to know more about them. And I don't need to know everything right away.
1: Right. But even to that point, there's still like the, the casual line with Siren you mentioned earlier, where she mentions that she has to scream to, you know, decelerate yeah. from from fla- from her gliding. You know, even that, that's that's like a much more streamlined way of, of how they used to overly explain everybody's powers in, in the 80s. Um, it's just really well done. Um, Pat is an absolute pro at this. He has his characters' voices, his format and the stories that he wants to tell just down pat here and it's very very
0: impressive stuff mm-hmm. well thank you so much for tapping in and being able to discuss another issue with me um hopefully philip is back for the next installment of the podcast but um as i mentioned last time you're coming up pretty soon again anyway so yeah. um I'm sure that you're going to read every issue between this one and when you're next on because it's really building up like everything is compounding up to that point. So
1: I might even have to read some of uh, Mike Carey's Addictiveless X-Men, which is really, really where the, the lead in to Messiah Complex uh, comes from. And like I said last time, my favorite X-Men crossover of of, of all time. Uh, I feel like it's, it's just one where all the writers are, are really vibing together and they all want to play ball um, because all of their stories have kind of been leading to this rather than necessarily just getting totally derailed. So all that to say, I'm super excited to, to come back for that. I'm always happy to come talk. Uh, just just regular old x factor with you a, as well but definitely looking forward to uh diving into messiah complex
0: all right well thank you so much flinkman as we said before you are on instagram as at flinkman and yep. people should find you people should find uh, the podcast at x factor files podcast um I, like i mentioned last week when i did my first reel i've done a second reel on instagram so uh, I'm so close to being an influencer. It's not even funny.
1: You are on your way. Look out, Kim Kardashian.
0: I know. I'm going to pop bottles and squirt that stuff all over my butt too. Um, (laughs) So until next time, everyone, stay safe out there. Hopefully you don't get COVID and we will catch you next time. Peace out, y'all. Bye.